Lenny, you're live. You're feeling it. We're I'm live. We're, we're live. We're, fuck it. We're doing it live. Fuck it. We're doing it live. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Fuck it. Thing sucks. Take uh, that, family. Uh, yeah, All especially right. Bill O'Reilly's family. <laughs> Why? What's up with Bill O'Reilly's family? Oh, I don't know. He's like he, he uses them as like essentially a shield for all that. He's like he's like you better think about. It. I have I have a family. Like he heard one of the New York Times reporters who was like, oh yeah, yeah. why he shouldn't he's be like, accused he's of he's sexual like, assault. He's like, hey, I got a family, man. Heard about this other guy he killed himself. His family heard about it. I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't have been harassed. Maybe you shouldn't. My been- family will honor kill me. Yeah, <laughs> which is Killing. the problem. That should be Bill O'Reilly's final. His final killing series is killing O'Reilly, <laughs> killing, <laughs> killing, and he still myself. won't write that either. <laughs> um, and uh, it has to be ghost written, also. <laughs> yeah, real good. Yeah, real, actual, as actual ghost written. Yeah, yeah p- posthumously published by his ghost. Uh, hey, family, I got news for you. It's Thanksgiving, and it's also fucking Rumble in the Jungle time because this is the first ga- Thanksgiving after. Well, last year was the first Thanksgiving after the election, but everyone was still too raw. Brian, I don't know if this is oh, Brian no. Pisano. We, we, uh, yeah. Hello today. Oh, yeah, Brian, I'm here. But also, well, I want to hear your story from Thanksgiving last year. No, it, it, my story, I'm Lenny DeFranco, by the way, yeah. and you're listening to Infinity License, Infinity episode 22. License. Yep. Uh, no, my story from last year is that everyone was very uh, intelligently said, all right, this is too raw. Just at the outset, we had a rule that was like no politics, and we actually pretty much abided by it because everyone gleeful or uh, trounced <laughs> was feeling really shocked at it. And yeah. so it was easy to, um, I mean, there was just, you know, there's three football games for a reason. Yeah. I, I try to talk as little as possible. <laughs> Plus my aunt makes these uh, like sausage bread things, which I really helped me not eat. Oh, nice. Uh, so this is the first Thanksgiving where it's going to be, we're all used to it. We're living in this world now. It's happening. We're through the looking glass. And this is the first year when like in Trump's world, uh, Thanksgiving debates are going to go down. And so in this episode, we are going to structure it around uh, a number of arguments that you are going to have with your dumbass uncle or grandfather or aunt or whoever it is. And we're going we're gonna to help you uh, understand where they're coming from, but more accurately, kill them worse than the turkey. We're, we're, yeah, we're going to be your Thanksgiving Sherpas. I will say, though, for the record, that uh, my sister and I kind of essentially got this year's Thanksgiving canceled in advance by how much of a meltdown we both had at everyone else. Um, because it was our Thanksgiving last year. Everyone was like, it was, it was a quiet truce. It wasn't publicly spoken. And then about on the third or fourth bottle of wine, somebody, somebody dropped some, somebody threw a grenade in the room. It might've actually been me. I don't remember. And, uh, and, and, uh, bar- you, say you farted. I farted. I've heard it, and people were like, "That reminds me of the time Donald Trump won the election a month ago or a couple weeks ago." You sure didn't take a shit on the ground and throw it at the dog. Yeah, yeah. You know what that reminds me of? <laughs> white nationalism. White nationalism. The events of the past year to the last three weeks, culminating in three weeks ago. Um, but yeah, so this is the real year where we, we actually have some policy on the table too. Last year, Donald Trump was just. Hey, look at me. I, like, that guy's an asshole. Vote for me. Hey, lock her up. It works. People will cheer for it. That's what I say it a bunch. Now he's actually putting legislation in front of Congress. He's made decisions. He's made executive orders. He so actually he, hasn't done anything. I he mean, hasn't done anything. He has been president, uh, president-elect now for a year, uh, but I don't think he's really done anything. Um, actually, you know, the one thing that he might have done today, actually, I, I think could stand as the first thing that he's actually done was supposedly there's um, the AT&T and, uh, and uh, Time, Time Warner, Warner merger 
the DOJ said that they were going to uh, vote to, to sue to block it. And one reason why uh, it's pretty uncharacteristic of both Republican administrations and also precedent, like it just un- it's it defies precedent that they should oppose a vertical merger like this. So say they. And um, the only reason anyone can figure why they're doing this is because he's trying to get back at CNN. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there was something about how, well, the, didn't you want to have like CNN excluded from? He's like, well, you got to, like, was the, that a rumor? I think yeah, was there, a rumor. there was re- conflicting reports. Someone uh, said that basically, the, apparently what happens is the government, the DOJ goes and kind of negotiates with uh, the business to ensure that everything, they, they, they negotiate for the terms of the deal right. uh, and then the, thereby avoid litigation. And supposedly one of the rumors was that um, Stevenson, I guess the guy's name is, or something like that, uh, said that this is content. This can go through contingent on you selling CNN. Time Order disputed that. Um, um, what AT and T really wants is HBO. That's the the content ship that they're going after. Interesting. So theoretically, they would be able to. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I don't. I don't know. It's a little too. It's actually that that's this whole theory is a little too simple to me because it literally would be the first time that Trump has actually enacted any type of policy or reified his petty bitchiness at all. <laughs> uh, but again, I can't really point to any other policy I just, he's accomplished. I love, that is the perfect descriptor of the Trump administration. It's like, oh, he's just like, what's President, what's President Trump in like just a real just like real succinctly oh just a petty bitch <laughs> just I don't know I think uh Kim Jong-un oh, yeah. uh, beat me by calling him a dotard. Oh, yeah. Dotard. It combines, well, a little bit more eloquent, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, it combines it's, the old age thing with the with tard. So, <laughs> yeah, it's, that's hard to beat. Uh, very memeable. Um, well, it's it, well. the interesting thing, again, this is also shows how far the Republican Party has run a field of, like, the true Republican heroes, people like Teddy Roosevelt. I guess Teddy Roosevelt is a Republican, but only in name. But, like, people, well, they always appoint to him as one of the great Republican presidents, uh, even though the Republican Party of, you know, the early 20th century is nothing what it looks like today. And But he was also famous for trust busting, which the Republican Party's like, no, we should probably just have, like, five companies in America. I think we just <laughs> we just need one food company. And, like, we were very pro-business. And by pro-business, business I mean we're very pro the like five or six businesses that run all consumer goods and everybody like everybody's like logistical information yeah all right so let's get into it so the the format for this show is going to be um these are we, we tried to predict some of the the um most contentious issues around the thanksgiving day uh turks this year and um and and try to just offer some opinions on it and some context and and hopefully some facts um, and hopefully you don't end up dumber. From yeah. <laughs> if you don't end up dumber, then I've succeeded I think, and also surprised myself. And I think this is the way we set this up. The way we organize this is actually kind of go, it will go in order of the kind of the events of Thursday. Cause it's like Thursday you wake up, right? You go watch the parade. Like I do. I'm always watching the Macy's Thanksgiving day parade. It's a proud tradition I have. Uh, I don't watch it in person. I watch it on the couch cause I'm not stupid and going out in November weather to go to fifth Avenue or central park West. Um, but then after the parade, what do you do? You either do one of two things. You watch the American Kennel Club dog show or you watch National Football League. Uh, in my family, the tradition is wake up, uh, leave, <laughs> spend 45 minutes debating when uh, Auntie Susie expects us to come over, <laughs> show up later than that, <laughs> and then uh, talk to a bunch of people and then um, get drunk and then sober up enough to drive home. Oh, yeah. Exactly. That, that, well, that's what I do that uh, to the point, but later, but... 
the the first thing I, I always watch the parade and then I'm always watching uh, the first game, which is always the it's the Lions game is always the first yeah. game because um, they've been, it's just institutionally the worst team. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, somehow, which is like which is they somehow are always worse than the Jets, but the Jets always get like the record as a worst team because the Jets lose in like a more like kind of insanely fashionable way <laughs> like the, lose, the Jets lose on the main stage like the, the Lions lose in Detroit where it's like well they we're were, all losing yeah, they're, here, so. they were already losing yeah um, all right so what's your idea for the the uh, Thanksgiving Day sequence of, so the sequence of events topics. I think is the first thing we're going to talk about is the NFL game comes on first and you know that your your uncle your uncle Joe is going to be like hey man uh, what's going on with these NFL players kneeling? That's kind of that's kind of BS. Why can't they respect the flag? Or you know what else? Another one you'll hear is someone's gonna have an idea. Like I got an idea for how we could solve this. Why don't you just have everybody stay in the locker room except for unless you want to stand? That way you're not gonna have to be you know bothering me by kneeling, and you're not gonna have to stand for the flag. And it's like you're completely missing the point. Yeah, exactly. I have had this actually floated to me before. No, I've had um, all them. Like even my dad was like, my, my dad even gave me the argument where he's like, he's like, oh, I can't kneel at work, and I was like, FYI, dad, nobody's working you in your software job for a bank, and like nobody's watching you. <laughs> That's not a you national. Could, you actually could kneel if you wanted. Yeah, to. yeah, you could, you could, and nobody, your boss would be like, okay, whatever, Mike, is if if you're getting your job done. <laughs> I can't kneel because I lost both of my knees. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, all right. So the, let's let's talk about this. So um, it's been a while since we we addressed the sort of the Kaepernick. It's funny he's not even playing, but uh, the the Kaepernick inspired uh, NFL protests. Uh, I want to officially take this this opportunity to change my tune on him because my original. Um, see, if this were like John Oliver, I would just be able to cut in an old old clip of us right, talking. Right. But I, yeah. I'll just summarize it for you. I I was very smug. Uh, and sort of dismissive of the of the protests originally, not because I didn't think they were a good idea, but because I thought that the NFL was un- incapable of handling a level of social uh, uh, a social dialogue of that level of nuance, um, and it was inevitable that it would uh, turn into a discussion about the military. Well, the joke's on me because the protests have caught on like wildfire. They actually are threatening to destabilize the NFL themselves. I mean, Jerry Jones might get kicked out of the league yeah. based on, you know, he's, I think the idea is basically that uh, Roger Goodell is hired to take shots uh, that the owners don't want to take. And um, given that um, Jerry Jones al- already thought that Goodell was getting paid too much and they all want this issue to go away. All the, all of the NFL owners are like to the right of Genghis Khan and they're all monsters, Yeah, um, which is partly why the NFL sucks. And um, and they they want this to to go away. And there's and one so, owner that has the name Khan. <laughs> oh yeah, Shahid Khan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, the most European of all. The yeah. one who wants to relocate the Jaguars to London. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah. So uh, they I think are frustrated that Roger Goodell, who's paid all this money to take the brunt of unpopular decisions, um, for the league. Uh, he's not doing it in this case. And so they're like, what the hell are we paying you for? Jerry Jones is trying to lead this campaign, and he's thrown out Papa John, who is <laughs> a, a, a conservative cardboard purveyor. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so it, it's this whole thing. And, and not only that, but just aside from the, in, the sort of palace intrigue of it, um, it has totally caught on. Everyone started doing it. I mean, this is going to be a very inspiring movie when they make the Kaepernick movie. And I will remember it authentically as inspiring because watching this spread on the sidelines was something. And so 
Um, do you, do you want to cover the idea of why this is actually not disrespectful to the troops? Yeah, for sure. I, well, that's the thing. The, the, the argument always starts at the misconception of somebody's like, well, I, they should stand for the flag. Or what every argument ever is, they have to stand for the flag. They have to respect the flag because it stands for our freedom and the soldiers that are fighting for it. And that's patently false because, A, Colin Kaepernick initiated this protest by sitting on the sidelines. And then he realized that that it would be potentially disrespectful. So he went to Nate Boyer, who was an NFL player and a Green Beret, served in the military. He advised him, said, you can do this. You can taking a knee as a member of the military and a member of the armed services. Actually, taking a knee is a good way to demonstrate your protest, but actually still honor and respect people that are either sacrificing the military or have sacrificed their, their lives or their livelihood. Um, so that's stri strike number one. It's not about protesting the flag. I mean, ironically, it kind of is, well, the whole, the reason they're even standing out there, they didn't, if you were an NFL fan for any length of time, you'd know that they didn't even stand for the national anthem. The national anthem wasn't even a big thing at football games until 2009 when the department of defense is like, Hey, we need to figure out a way to recruit people to into the military. It's like, you know, well, people are like watching the NFL. They probably already have a disregard for their body or other people's bodies. <laughs> so, so why don't we, uh, why don't we just put the, why don't we pay the NFL to be this kind of like flagship essentially promotion for, uh, for our brand and, and hopefully boost uh, recruitment for the military for our ongoing <laughs> wars that won't stop. Yeah. Um, and I mean, football has always been a pretty, I, I, that is a specific uh, Pentagon program to pay for that. Football has always been very, oh God, do you remember like, I don't know when it started. I think, it, I think it, we agreed as a culture to start just trying to out America each other sometime in the Bush administration, but all those emetic, uh, like wait, you know, wheat fields of wheat waving Toyota trucks, like yeah. he loved one woman all his life. Yeah. All of those, like he's tough. All this country white bread bullshit that, that it fills the NFL. I mean, it's funny that those people are the ones that are turning away from it because there's been such a – they must be a really important demographic to the NFL because um, they they really uh, are who the main audience is for all yep. the built Ford tough you know, type type advertising that I know the NFL for, even before the sort of NF, the, the Pentagon thing. Well, because if you've watched an NFL game, it's mostly commercials, and there's only three types of commercials. It's either uh, do, you want, do you want a giant pickup truck, do you want insurance for that giant pickup truck? Or do you want insurance that covers you when you've drank way too much Bud Light and driven <laughs> home in that giant pickup truck? <laughs> and that, the Bud Light we've been pushing the entire for the entire, entirety of these four hours of this too game. Too much chicken can see my dick. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> Almost. I would love to see Peyton Manning cast in a, as a, in a movie. Like a oh, he's a great actor, I think. Like, he's, he's, he, like, did you see his ESPYs uh, performance? Uh, no. He, he hosted the ESPYs like, last year, a couple years ago. He's really good. Like he hits, he hits, he has really good timing. Oh yeah, um, he's hilarious. I mean, his SNL appearances are. He's better than some of the like cast members. Yeah, on SNL. Yeah, uh, he's, he, he's. I would totally see him in like a Ace Fit, or like LeBron and Trainwreck, but like augmented more than that. Anyway, so the the Kaepernick protest, uh, the the take a knee, is very overtly a uh, done to honor uh, the the troops. Um, it is done to. It, it's done in imitation of what. Uh, Nate, as Nate Boyer advertised Kaepernick, he said like we we do this when we're taking like a security halt, uh, when we or whatever they, they call it, um, we do this when we're you know in front of in front of uh, at ceremonies honoring fallen soldiers, and so this would be a good way to show respect but also convey your grievance, and the idea the overall idea of these are millionaires and they shouldn't be complaining is complete bullshit to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I would I would draw 
the attention of your elderly uh, uncle to the idea that I always have when I'm watching these fucked up countries elsewhere in the world. We have a lot of luxuries in this country, uh, namely that we have fundamentally functional infrastructure. Uh, and I'm referring to things like the police don't need to take bribes for stuff. You know, you yeah. can get your passport. You don't have to pay someone off. You have to pay a fee. But, uh, and it fundamentally works the way it's supposed to uh, in a lot of ways. Um, and I look at these countries where, where like, people just complain about the, the fundamental flaws in the way civil service works. And it's like, why doesn't somebody do something about it? Why isn't there an internal movement towards self-improvement? Obviously, there's lots of reasons. It's easy to say I, we're, we're all privileged to live in a country where you didn't build that. You know, we have a lot of infrastructure that we can build our stable society on. But I think that the... The alternative to a type, what, what fundamentally the, the sort of uh, Black Lives Matter and the Kaepernick protest, these are efforts towards self improvement of the society, and the alternative to that is stagnation, and it's letting uh, you know, it, it's letting things get um, really tangled, and they just don't move forward, and nobody gives a shit about anything, and stuff doesn't work, and so when there's an internal movement to try to make it more a more perfect union. This is something that is arguably the most American instinct in that that identifies the ethic of the country. And so it's not to be, uh, you know, the response to anyone trying to improve America in any way is more so to ask whether the tactics are, are right, whether the problem you're talking about is right, uh, rather than to say you should just be grateful to live here because that's not how America has ever worked. Well, that, see, that's a great argument, and that resonates to you and I, Lenny, I think. So saying that, like, hey, I think it's it's great that we live in a country where a guy like Colin Kaepernick can go and lead this protest and have a voice to speak and be like, hey, there's an injustice that I see. And we can let's just have a let's even just have a conversation about it. And honestly, what I'm doing is not hurting anybody. And I cleared it by one of the guys who was in another country hurting people. <laughs> and I played a sport where my explicit job was to get people hurt. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but like what you say to the people, like I, I've, because I've heard this argument before, is where it's like, well, the flag just represents my freedom. And I don't buy that argument. I'm going to answer my own question really quickly because I went to the Jets Patriots game a couple weeks ago and I saw a guy wearing a Jets shirt that he had just clearly self-printed that said, I stand for the flag on the back, but it was like in this like garden area and he had his own American flag, but he was sitting on his, on the flag. And it's like, dude, you're sitting on the flag. Like, that's like, you're sitting on it. You, if you have such a respect for this, like this, this thing, this symbol, wouldn't you like honor like the flag code and like understand the flag code back to back? <laughs> like, it's like, I don't understand this, this, I've heard the arguments are just like, dude, that mean nothing where it's like, well, it means freedom to me. I'm like, what, how, how do you define freedom? Like, how do you define like how you, how are you free? Like, and, and like, the, I mean, it, it certainly doesn't really have that much to do with the military. I think also, um, or it, it, not, it doesn't explicitly have something to do with the military. Uh, I mean, this is a this is a current this is a current trending story to the degree that it is because Trump got involved and Trump got involved right. because he picks fights with black people to stir up his racist base. That's or yeah, end of the story. He, yeah, he or he picks fights with or just like realizes that racist white people in Alabama will react if yeah, he says and, something. And, like, and actually, and I'm stealing yeah. that by the way from Conor Friedersdorf, and and Conor Friedersdorf is stealing that from it's an obvious point. But um, uh, and actually, someone said yesterday, and it's true, to. You know, if you ever want to talk about Trump's political instincts, which I don't think he really has that many of, um, to, uh, any more than like you know, sugar and fat have health insight. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah. you just want them, but it doesn't mean that you're smart. They're yeah. you know, like either what you need or anything. yeah. But um, uh, you know, to his base, 
Uh, picking a fight with you know black millionaires is actually pretty much as satisfying as appealing Obamacare. Yeah, it's just a cultural. You know, it's it's well, easy it, win. So, yeah. So anyway, so uh, well, and uh, so my last point too is that if, if you ever if you do hear the argument of like these millionaires shouldn't kneel, you should also look up the statistics. Like anyway, the NFLPA has a horrible bargaining agreement with the with the owners of the NFL, and they should have honestly they should have gone on strike last time the CBA came up. And the average career length of any NFL player is three years, and even if they're making league minimum, let's say you, you make league minimum, you're already playing essentially for three or four years in college for free, putting your body at risk. Uh, and pay, paying a league minimum, you maybe make a million bucks, like maybe over just a million, which is like, yeah, if you pay for three years. Not counting like, taxes. Yeah, without, not counting taxes. But let's just say, let's call it an even million for the sake of argument. And you got a signing bonus as a rookie or whatever. And you, you play until you're 25. A million dollars, yeah, 25 is great, but that's not going to carry you your whole life. And you, you got you to figure out how to like, and you've only been doing one thing for your entire life you're not gonna you got to figure out what another way to generate income and you haven't honestly you didn't spend probably spend much time in accounting class or or actually yeah and also a lot of these guys come from uh, not great backgrounds and so you could even think of like that million dollars as just paying retroactively for the right for the life that you have had and now you're kind of up to even right uh to start your life at age 27 as a cripple right so the millionaire argument goes out the window too because it's just you know you certainly there are people that, you know you have the uh, Tom Brady's of the world that are are making millions on sponsorship deals and all that kind of stuff, but like m- the majority of players don't have that long of a career and don't make that much money. Um, all right, so that so that that's that's the NFL protest. Um, yeah. All right, so let's. Uh, do you have a, do you have another sequential? Uh, I think after so after you get it done watching the football game and you have some arguments, you're going to be like, well, actually, speaking of that millionaire argument, let's talk about one of those things that's a certainty in life, other than death. Which you got from CTE, <laughs> you got taxes. Um, so t- the tax argument. So there's going to be. I mean, I think the next two ones we both have are about. It's like taxes and who's going to pay for any kind of social programs, which also loops into taxes. So you want to? Should we combine these or should we keep them separate? Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, so uh, yeah. let's talk about. So the the one argument that I think you can expect to hear is a uh, recitation of this Trump lie, which is that the U.S. is the most highly taxed country in the world. Um, it's something that. Uh, uh, what he's referring to is it, it's not true. It, it's not, in, in pretty much any regard, it's not true. What that argument comes closest, where that comes, where that argument comes closest to being true, is related to the corporate tax um, rate, and pretty much no companies pay that. Or uh, there was a David Frum article where he was like, only the worst manager, stupidest companies pay that. Right. Um, because it's just, there's there's tax breaks. There, I mean, like that's like saying that you know, you know, Amazon is gonna. Are, is, is shopping around for like local tax rates. They're not going to pay anything wherever they go. Right. Like no, yeah. And and actually, I saw an interesting analysis of this too, which is that uh, it, it came from someone um, in a conservative outlet. But they're saying that our tax rate is uh, no one pays that. It's actually closer to the world average. Um, it, it's around it's around like twenty two percent of of like post tax. Uh, after all taxes are, are included, uh, corporations pay an average of like twenty two percent of their income. A lot of them pay nothing. Right. And the difference between those is very important because the way that our tax structure is set up um, is to intentionally reward, uh, you know, cronyism. It's crony capitalism. Yeah. And so if you have powerful friends, um, you know, you can get away. You can get tax breaks passed specifically if you have an influence with some sort of congressman or district. And so the tax, the, the difference between paying twenty two percent and paying nothing, like if you're GE, is obviously huge. And the, and the the political class intentionally does that so that they can kind of 
pull leverage and, and I can make or break an industry if I want to. Right. And particularly in a post Citizens United world where, you know, money and politics means everything. And, and also in a federated republic where states, states can also compete against each other. So like kind of what Amazon is doing when they're just putting cities up against each other and just saying like, hey, who's going to who's going to lowball or who's going to give us the most stuff to, to move to their city or like kind of see kind of test the market and see where they can get on that. Um, I also don't think taxes are about the money really i think taxes when you're arguing with your family members are because uh, since i believe the 50s or 60s the proportion of taxes tax revenue has been not has been collected on moreover on the payroll tax which falls on middle class your average middle class working joe who has a job might be a fiscal conservative kind of person as opposed to a corporation who has a massive lobbying wing on k street or on wall street that's that's working in their favor to find loopholes and and credit them and essentially move their tax rate from the quote-unquote 35% that Trump says is the highest in the world to essentially zero or negative, like to the point of where we're giving them money, <laughs> um, where crony capitalism comes in. Yeah. yeah, so you're saying like if you like feel burdened upon like why am I paying all these taxes? It's Well, it's partly – it's not because of minorities. It's because right. the, the tax base that used to be supported by corporate taxation has plummeted. Right. Um, uh, it now ten percent of all taxes collected are from corporate taxes, and it used to be like over fifty. Yeah, um, and so yeah, that burden of that has fallen on borrowing and individual taxpayers. So they're right to feel frustrated with it, but it's because there's been this this shortfall created by paring back corporate tax collection. Well, and actually, that's the last point I want to make about this too is that. The, with the new uh, proposed House plan, House Republican bill, if you are a fiscal conservative living in a blue state, uh, you better be super fucking pissed off at, at your representatives in Congress because this is a very, very unfavorable to blue state Republicans deal where essentially uh, it's eliminate, it would el eliminate the state, a lot of the state and local uh, tax deductions. SALT, which is not the Strategic Arms Limitation Treaty. <laughs> I was like, they like to use SALT for a lot of acronyms. Or the Angelina Jolie movie. Or the Angelina Jolie movie, um, which I didn't see, uh, but the, the, essentially it would it would add uh, could potentially add anywhere between ten to fifteen percent on onto your normal taxes every year. So it's like if you if you deduct for for income or if you for state and local taxes that you get. So you, that usually happens in New York, New Jersey, Southern Connecticut. Those people are going to get totally burned. They're they're going to get completely like to the point of I was talking to my parents about this because they are th those people that would be affected by it. They're like, well, we'll be fine, but we know a lot of people that would essentially there would be a massive exodus to people that have to move to like essentially tax havens in America, like Florida or uh, Delaware or other states where they can just like they don't have to pay the state and local income tax that they do in New York, which is ridiculous. Which is, so it could like which would be insane and. I would love to just like burden those states with like a bunch of old like boomers, but <laughs> but so uh, to, stay, to stick with the monetary topic, uh, let's talk about the failures of Obamacare. And the reason I want to mention this is because uh, one argument that you're definitely going to hear is that uh, the repealing uh, Obamacare is something that needs to happen because it's not working. Um, I actually don't really know how to counter this because Obamacare sucks. Um, <laughs> it's pretty much failing in in almost all of its intended goals, except for that more people are covered. If they repeal the individual mandate, um, it you know it's 13 million fewer people are going to have health insurance, and the only benefit to doing it is uh, basically 316 billion dollars in, in projected increased money to give to corporations. Yeah. So uh, it's I don't think it's worth it, but at the same time. Um, I think that that's like in my in my opinion, maybe you feel differently, Brian. Like I don't think that's something worth really defending. I think that 
Well, what do you, how do you feel about it? I think Obamacare is worth defending, but I don't know if it's, it's, this is another case of like, it depends on how much of a stand you want to make and how much of an argument, a case you can make with your, with your family member that is saying Obamacare sucks because it does suck in a lot of ways. I'll agree with you that in that sense, but had it been carried out to fruition, and this is just honestly a failure of the Obama or the Democrats to not foresee that they weren't going to be president forever and that they weren't going to be like that, but potentially a, an insane person like Donald Trump could take over and just, and do whatever he wanted. Um, but like, was that, I mean, the, and also essentially the failure to put in place a single payer uh, backstop or a single payer system or Medicare for all. That, kind yeah, of system. That, I mean, that's the huge, that's, issue that's the issue. Uh, or, and so that, that's really, cause Obamacare would have worked under that scenario. Um, it would have certainly a company like Health First or Aetna might have gone under, but those jobs would have transferred over to essentially like a single payer or they would have been in some way kind of bailed out by, by the government and by a Medicare short up or Medicaid short up. I mean, the Medicare and Medicaid expansions in Obamacare uh, were great. Uh, but now we're kind of now we're left out. Everyone's left out to dry. So it is kind of a tough. You're in a tough position on Obamacare. So unless you have like an MPH, I don't know. You might you might want to pivot on that one. Well, I don't. know. I mean, yeah. it's it's it is a complicated topic. But I also think that for, based on what I've seen, like I don't know that it really. It was it was supposed to be uh, an incremental victory that basically just put healthcare on the table. I think that was the really the best they could hope for. It was not politically done in a, in really great of a way. Uh, they I mean it was it was Democrats. Uh, who it was a Democrat, by the way, who had no idea how unpopular he was at the time. I'm sure Obama, Barack Obama, would actually proctor it uh, differently now. The yeah. whole fight, if he if he knew how innately loath he would he was. Yeah. Um, but uh, and it was done in good faith, and it shouldn't have been. Um, and it also there was a lot of policy left up to Congress to to decide, and they ended up kind of just kicking it, involving industry, you know, and, and the health insurance industry, just because it was going to expedite the process. But um, and because they're in the health insurance industry is like, oh crap, uh, we might go away. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but so like, yeah, we better and, fight and for and our lives. Should, and they should go. And 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 the idea that we still have this system that that tries to. Um, I mean, I you know, obviously, commoditizing health is in, in the way that we do is pro, is retrograde, con, considering that we have way better examples of how healthcare could be done from around, everywhere else in the world. But also, um, it doesn't even line up the incentives with like you're not paying for things you want; you're paying for things you don't want. Well, and actually, I, so I do have an experience. So I'll I'll talk to this one because last. Thanksgiving, I did get into this argument, and I actually think I made some good headway. And this is after some blowout Trump arguments that happened. Um, so, one of my relatives who worked for the post office his entire career, so a federal employee, was like, "No, you can't have a single payer system. People want options." I was like, "Okay, Uncle Charles, how did you pick your healthcare?" It's like, "Well, when I started working for the post office. They said you could get Plan A or Plan B or Plan C." I'm like, "Okay, so A, you did. You had three varieties of options that were kind of co-sponsored by." Partially private industry, partially your taxes, and partially the federal government. Um, and, and so, so what if I told you that we just introduced option D, which is financed by, which is an absolute backstop that you have to have no matter what? And he's like, well, what? They said you could have kept your doctor, but you didn't keep your doctor. And I'm like, you really, I mean, yes, you can keep your doctor right now, but that's only because you've had this health insurance plan for forever back when the United States government was flush. You dummy. It's like, do you really have a choice? Do you like, just because there's one misstep in Barack Obama's rhetoric, does anyone really have a choice in doctor? Unless you're a millionaire who wants to go like, you know, I don't have, I'm like, uh, what, what my choice is that I'm like, I work for a company and I have to go like, I have to, whatever companies like, uh, yeah, sure. I can pay a shit ton 
ton more money for the doctor that is out of my network, but why on earth would I do that? And he's like, I don't have the money to do that. And it's not like I'm not a, a certainly poor person. So it's just explaining to them that it's like a single payer system. You're already kind of operating in a single payer system. It's just one that you really have no say in. Like, and yes, we have this individual mandate, which might go away, which would totally bankrupt Obamacare, which maybe if you're an accelerationist out there, maybe you should be rooting for, because then we can just go back to the drawing board and be like, all right, well, now we either have to have a single payer Canadian style system or like an NHS like the UK or something. Like, I mean, and, the, and the goal of Obamacare, and that's a good point to make because the goal of Obamacare was to skip that part, was to like, hey, let's make it a little bit, let's try something. Right. Um, that is a, uh, and, and if someone wants to say that Obama lied about you can keep your doctor, I think that, yeah, he, he did. I mean, that was a, that was a political calculation. Um, you know, this is the, uh, you know, we, I, if anything, uh, I think that my my sort of take on on the the uh, as yet all all but complete failure of of Obamacare um, to drive down prices and to you know lead to a sustainable market um, is uh, the 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 upshot of that is that hey let's use all of these uh, Medicaid uh, areas uh, instances as as laboratories to see what works in, in providing healthcare yeah and it gave um, me a job for the past four or five years so, so but now i might not have a job in another in a year or two. another yeah. charity example i know the yeah like now supporting the, a do nothing yeah just a uh, just a regular just old uh, on the dole kind of lamo brian i want to enrage you with uh, a statement i want to get enraged uh we can't afford universal health care because who's gonna pay for it who's I, gonna, am i gonna pay for it yeah Wait until you grow up and start making a paycheck. Then you're gonna have to pay for it, and then you're gonna hate. Don't you love other that, people? Th- that's uh, the the thing about that is th- I love that statement, and that statement has been said to me since I was about eighteen. And the the funny thing is that I was probably a moderate liberal to like middle of the road kind of person when they were saying that. I was definitely a more conservative kid than the kid who's like the freshman who's into like who's into Marxism. And then now, as I've been an adult, I'm like, we need to go full-blown NHS, like full-blown nationalized healthcare immediately and also other programs because so it, it hasn't happened. I've been in the workforce uh, a long time and now it's like people still try to give me that song and dance. They're like, when well, you get a little bit older and get enough money, I'm like, dude, I'm 30. Like, yeah, uh, like I should be seeing at least some of those returns soon and I'm, I don't I don't see any daylight on that. I still got student hey, can loans. Can you point pay. me to, to the uh, house that I own? Yeah, can you point to that house I own or the student debt I don't have uh, like the place or like the retirement account that's just like flat and I can kind of like casually it's like, well, why don't I move a couple stuff in? Man, I don't want to move things annuities and better better get by some treasury bills. Or me like, and Julie are really planning for the future and building our nest egg. Yeah, as opposed to me just like kind of with whatever pennies I can scrape together, just like, ah, I might as well just like gamble it on Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, like, who's going to pay for something is a totally valid question. You got to pay for stuff. There's right. no free lunch. The problem is, it's it's a more valid question. It's a it's a question that only seems to be raised when people are trying to insist on uh, fiscal responsibility when it benefits their priorly he- previously held biases. Right. You know, like I don't want to support layabouts, you know, and stuff like that. And um, when it comes to you know cutting corporate taxes or paying for an augmented military spending, there's absolutely no problem at least certainly at least the republicans in congress i don't know maybe conservative people probably have uh, more private opposition to this but um they sure found uh, 1.5 trillion dollars of spending the cut right and it, it came from places from from areas of spending that are going to really hurt real people right 
And the, and that was easy to do. Even if we didn't cut spending, but just took away some military spending or had the fucking political courage, I'll even say this, to like figure out how to reform entitlement spending in a way that doesn't just privatize it. You know, I'm sure I'm sure there are think tank policies that I haven't you know seen uh, that are that are proposals that might work. But um, any one of these things would clear out space to put out really necessary spending for for um, the, you know life saving uh, programs that the rest of the world has that we don't. It's it's a non starter to say who's going to pay for it and imply that no, that it's unaffordable. And anyone that says to you that hey we can't afford any kind of single payer healthcare system or nationalized healthcare system, it's like guess what, buddy. You're already paying for it. You're already paying by a factor of at least five more than the next country for way worse outcomes as a nation uh, for worse health care. So you're already paying for it. Whether you're paying for that and the, the fact that you live in a state that's highly taxed and you maybe deduct that from the, the uh, from your federal taxes, which FYI, that's going away if the tax plan goes, goes through, or if you're paying for it in a way that you pay just like some kind of crazy $1,000 deductible on some stupid thing that you didn't anticipate. Or like, you're like, why does this cost? so much or why do I have to haggle with this insurance like Byzantine bureaucracy that's an insurance company it's like well because it, it, you're paying so much for this essentially these layers of a bureaucracy that lobbyists and other people in the healthcare industry have kind of like slapped on to, to prop up a, a, a bad system as opposed to if we if we tackled it as from a national perspective and with an eye towards a budget, we could slash a lot of that spending, move people into jobs that actually made an impact, pay less, and actually get better healthcare outcomes. So you're already paying for it. It doesn't matter. You're already paying for do-nothing nuclear missiles, as Mr. Burns says, and, and F-35 fighters, and a healthcare system that that only results in just stripping the middle class of any remaining like savings and uh, and transferring it either to private huge corporate insurance companies or uh, transferring it to a K Street lobbyist, you know. <laughs> so that that's you. You. I don't want to hear. I don't. I don't want to pay for it because you're already paying for it. <laughs> yeah. Like, a conservative pitch for redistributionist, uh, as the slate pitch goes. Yeah. Um. All right. So let's go to uh, this next one. Um. I'll, I'll tackle this one. Hillary colluded with Russia, <laughs> not Trump. This is my you know who one. really colluded with with Russia is Hillary. <laughs> okay, I have a very easy response to this. You know what? You're right. Like I think all of the Russia stuff as yet is we'll see where it goes. But I don't think anyone can credibly say like Russia colluded with Trump. You sound like Trump when you say that. Like everyone's saying it. You know, we uh, you, uh, all these people are talking about it. He colluded with Russia. Um, the, we'll wait till see the evidence come in. Uh, I think that um, the I, I espoused the Glenn Greenwald argument, which is that uh, when Donald Jr. had that meeting with the Russian lawyer, yeah, it's unseemly, and he pretty much openly admitted to trying to take <laughs> Russian intelligence for Hillary Clinton. But then it also came out that Hillary Clinton funded the Steele dossier, and and, and the DNC did, which with the DNC was Hillary Clinton, as we also later found yeah. out. <laughs> Thanks, Donna Brazil. So, <laughs> yeah, and so I, th you know, and and what Glenn Greenwald said was that look, this is what opposition research is called. I mean, the the actual story with all... Of, so I think it's actually true. Like, I think they probably both did. I think Russia is has very obviously tried to um, influence uh, the psyche of the country. We clearly, as a culture, were not prepared for the, the dirty tactics they had in terms of spreading misinformation and stuff. But the real story with Russia is not about Russia. It's about us. They were always... Uh, or at least, you know, for the last decade or so, ha have been this sort of insidious force. And they deserve censure, and they deserve all the sanctions and stuff like that and all that. But what I care about is the state of American politics. And what they exploited were divisions uh, that started out as petty, 
became ever more ingrained and now are you know we all, we're just being caught shooting at each other and this one uh sort of poltergeist is going tapping everyone on the shoulder and everyone's looking around and scared you know and and so we, we the the internecine division in this country is this is the russia story i don't give a fuck about russia the reason people are believing stupid shit in addition to the internet in addition to the internet having broken our brains uh which we've already established previously <laughs> is yeah. that we hate each other and we hate yeah. each other for reasons that are fundamentally i think not that valid there's no there's no uh solidarity among americans anymore yeah there, there's really no which is kind of crazy in the internet age that we like that russia was able to like, hack that literally and and spiritually kind of figure out that hey these people don't care about each other and also it's kind of bullshit that Ru- russia's economy like Ru- russia's kind of a bullshit country like it, it, california's economy is bigger than russia's <laughs> like it's like they they have they have except with the exception of a bunch of like uh uh really wealthy national oil and gas wealth or like nickel mining wealth. Even that guy, even Prokhorov who owned the nets has to sell them cause he's super broke and he got like left out of the oligarch circle cause he, he burned like uh, Abramovich and a bunch of the other uh, and Putin. Um, and, uh, and so now he's got to sell the nets. Um, but, my point being in that is that it's like it's kind of bullshit that like the the narrative around like Russia, oh my God, Russia is a looming threat. It's like they're not a looming threat. They they did recognize a weakness in our democracy or in our society that it's like, hey, we kind of don't get along with each other and we don't have this uh, national character that we all believe in uh, and are very fragmented society. But yeah, the whole Russia thing. And also, if you want to get into Russia, I mean, the Hillary Clinton Russia thing is like, I mean. It's just I don't I don't have anything to say about that other than Shepard Smith came out and defended Hillary Clinton, <laughs> so it was like I actually kind of like Shepard Smith. Of all, all the Fox News people, he is the the most. Uh, I liked him ever since I saw that uh, footage that Fox aired of a guy shooting himself on air. Do you remember that? Oh, I do remember that. That was Shep Smith. Yeah. Get out! Get off! Get off! Get off! Get off! Ah! Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> oh, the sound. That's, that's what Shepard Smith sounded like when Fox accidentally showed footage of a like someone who was running from the cops uh, got out on the field and then shot himself and they didn't cut away fast enough. Yeah. Um, so I, like, I mean the whole Hillary Clinton though, the, yeah. So Shepard Smith recounted like why the whole, the, the, it doesn't hold up under any scrutiny. The idea of like Hillary Clinton's selling essentially all the uranium rights in the United States and Canada to, to Russia doesn't really it doesn't hold hold water. I won't. He he articulated it better than I mean, uh, Lenny. You can I, won't, I won't. I won't. I won't go into that. I mean, like I think that my my actual my actual take on that, which I'll probably cut out, is Bill Clinton uh, like had dinner with some Kazakh oligarch who then ended up benefiting hugely because the company oh, okay. that he, like it, it was. It's the kind of thing that I really wish that Hillary Clinton had like had the foresight to avoid. You know, yeah. like, hey Bill, don't go to that dinner. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, but. Uh, Anyway, um, yeah, no, all of all of this, a lot of this Russia stuff, yeah, has been like this, just fucking. It, it's getting a lot of mileage out of this Rocky and Bullwinkle enmity, you know, this sort of fictional villain James Bond type thing with Russia's bad, you know, and uh, they 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 are an insidious force on the developed world. I mean, it's we already know that, and I think, and again, I, I'm not saying they shouldn't be censured. What I am saying is that focusing on them, especially to the degree that the media, who already got us Trump yeah. by refusing to stop covering him yeah. in 2016, um, they they keep making this this uh, Mueller uh, investigation into the, you know, and, and SNL is talking about it all the time, and you know, like uh, Putin is Trump's d- daddy. You know, it's it's it completely elides the actual story, which is that 
we have a severe fracture in this country we have no idea how to solve. Well, I think, you know, the one thing I will say about the the whole Russia story is making me, I think it's making normal people who have um, any sanity reflect on it. It's like, hey, when I think of Russia, I'm like, I think of a state, state-sponsored open criminality, like oligarchic society that where like a handful of people control all the wealth and they just like send out these palliatives to the people and kind of push a like, push a like an off-brand kind of dated nationalism. And I'm like, hmm. Wait a second. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> this kind of sounds like another country I live in. <laughs> like, I'm like, starting to sound like America a little bit. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, granted, our criminals are a little bit, they, they operate within the legal system and just pay off our, our congressional and, and ju- judicial leaders to kind of like, in, in a weird backroom kind of way to, to kind of pass laws that make their criminality essentially illegal um, as opposed to just like Russia's just like, Oh, what if we put the plutonium in him? <laughs> uh, okay. So let's now talk about, um, there was a uh, foreign nation called Puerto Rico that recently got devastated in a hurricane. Um, and uh, I foreign. think that we shouldn't, I think that we shouldn't um, support them because we're Americans, and in America, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and we do not help these greedy foreigners. Well, Lenny, uh, you might be surprised to learn Puerto Rico is actually a part of the United States. Uh, they are far browner than any part of the United <laughs> States I have been to. Believe it or not, uh, Puerto Rico is a part of the United States. They have no. been since since the Spanish American no. War, which is can you, which is kind of funny. Like it's funny, the Spanish American War is one of those wars you kind of forget about. It's like, oh yeah, we fought Spain, <laughs> um, and we won too, and we won pretty we handily. Uh, and we so, oh my god, I just had a thought. We, uh, we are sick of winning. Like, yeah. you're gonna we're gonna win so much you're gonna get sick of winning is actually an accurate statement for like latter day United States. Oh yeah. I think Willem Dafoe had a great had a great speech in Platoon about how it's like uh, in the film Platoon the star-studded cast of Platoon Willem Dafoe has a great monologue where he's like, "Oh, we've been kicking everybody's ass for so long. We were we were bound to lose one." <laughs> yeah, and uh, it screws you up when you when you get this weird complex if you just never lose. And also we have lost wars. I know, but like point, the but propaganda campaign around yeah, that we true. we always keep winning. Um, but so Puerto Rico is actually we're not a part of the United States. People of Puerto Rico are United States citizens, but they exist in a weird kind of international legal agreement where they're essentially kind of I prior to recording this I said this is kind of similar to the situation of uh, the United States in the pre-colonial revolution where we had a continental Congress, but essentially which had effectively no power. So they can make their own decisions among themselves, but they still had to abide by the rules of the crown, reports to the crown, and make decisions. So the so Puerto Rico, after World War II, when an intense movement to become an independent state after the United States had basically like plowed all the land and turned it all into a giant sugar plantation, um, was was like, hey, we would want to be our own country. We want to be independent. Uh, the, there was a compromise that was made. There were some people that were like, we want to still be part of the United States. Uh, we still have a strong relationship. As a Caribbean country, we have to align ourselves in this post-World War II order with uh, with a country, with a superpower. Since most of our market is in the United States, we want to align ourselves there. Other people are like, no, we have to determine our rights as a people. We're a, a native. We're like we're a people that has a right to determine its future. So they made a they kind of made a devil's bargain, and we're like, hey, okay, we we'll, we get to elect our own representatives and our own governor, uh, but the United States has final say on any legal. Uh, legal saying it's like you guys don't have to pay income taxes at this point, or you don't have to pay anything, but you also don't, you're not going to be recognized as a state. 
But also, caveat, uh, we're gonna, the United States is going to put a footnote there and say, like, oh, also, you, can't, you have to eliminate all the Puerto Rican nationalist movements. So you have to eliminate any kind of nationalistic talk, any nationalistic poems, any nationalistic s- songs, like any kind of like Puerto Rican national anthem. It's illegal now to sing those. How was uh, that l- legal under like a First Amendment? Uh, that's a good question. I, okay. don't, I don't know, but it was, it, I have to look back. It's the, called the, um, it's called the Ley de la Mordaza. De la Mordaza is enacted in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rican legislature of 1948 with the purpose of suppressing the independence movement in Puerto Rico. The act made it a crime to own or display a Puerto Rican flag, to sing a patriotic tune, to speak a right of independence, or to meet with anyone or hold any assembly in favor of Puerto Rican independence. That's insane. That's insane. So this is in 1948. Actually, I guess there there is precedent of us doing that to like Native Americans who right. weren't allowed to speak their language. And exactly. Um and so well, now I feel comfortable about it's it. It's actually a really long and complicated story about it. the reason why that has to do with colonialism and the long historical history of people. I mean, the people of Puerto Rico have their own native culture and certainly people of New York City do. And so do people of California and other places. And the uh, the issue with that is that you can't just summarize it. It's like, well, they don't pay for it, so we shouldn't send money there. It's like, no, it has to do with like the, our history is intertwined with theirs. And you can't just and part, some of the people there do the same way that I don't. Donald Trump is our president. I acknowledge that. I'm super not happy about it, but like I acknowledge that. And I'm like, I'm super unhappy about a lot of the ways that things are going in this country. It doesn't necessarily mean that I think New York City, even though partially I do, should be its own <laughs> independent country right now, nor do I believe that it's going to be happen overnight. You know, these things like history is a process and history is a political process where you have to kind of like determine these things over a long period of time. These ha- things happen at decision points. This might actually be one, like a, a huge natural disaster where we have to make this call on like whether you're your own right to say but you just can't just say it's like well they're all just a bunch of shiftless like people that live on this caribbean island it's also transparently racist i mean that's like the the key like we haven't really mentioned that with this but like the reaction that trump had uh where he called puerto rico so far away and you know not houston i mean houston is on the mainland it's closer than hawaii (laughs) yeah totally well hawaii is an island in the pacific according to jeff sessions um yeah uh, also, if if it, if the question of statehood were depending on whether you're paying for stuff, we would just cut out Alabama and Mississippi. And I actually not a bad idea. Yeah, uh, like we could lose them. They totally did, right? All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's cut. Speaking of Alabama, um, let's uh, talk about the final uh, argument that you're going to hear from uh, your uncle, which is that the media is waging a the liberal media is waging a war on men. I forgot about this one. Yeah, uh, men are. It's crazy what's going on. The men. The, Men can't be men. They're trying to criminalize uh, men. Actually, you might hear this from if, uh, like, if you have some sort of chud. Like, I was gonna say this is more pill. of an this is more of an alt right. Yeah. Your alt right cousin. You're like 22 year old shithead cousin. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that we really need to go that. This is not a policy question. He's, that guy clearly just uh, doesn't really have that much to do with uh, the female female race because <laughs> he's a cook because <laughs> he's a cook no it's, it's like I, I mean i don't know how you could... the, thing. the first time i found out about the red pill i wasn't the first time i went to that part of the internet because i was like what the fuck is the, the red, red pill? pill yeah when the first time i found out about it this is a couple of years ago i was like it was one of the first times and i've been on some real horrible parts of the internet where i was like this is a part of the internet that shouldn't exist and i shouldn't be on <laughs> and like it's this is just awful like the, the, and this ideology is insane and, and the the concept of that you're you are actually like you take the red pill like in in the matrix because which again speaks to these yeah. <laughs> they have to make a their their movement is based on a matrix reference so that well, it's immediately just like zero hedge and how zero hedge is this like nihilist you know and cap 
website and its main avatar is Tyler Durden. Yeah. It's yeah. like, come on. It's like, fucking. what kind of, yeah. T- I, I, re- I recently, re- I, Meg had never seen Fight Club and I watched oh, it with her. I love, I love it too. No, well, I love it too, but like, watch it again with a girl and you're like, this movie doesn't hold up. <laughs> like, no, it, it does. It's about, well, yeah. that movie is about like masculinity and, you know, paternal issues. If you're, if you're 18, you're, you're, Gold, it's 17, 18 years old is the golden age to watch. If you're uh, having angsty issues with your dad around 16, 17, 18 years old, Fight Club is great. If you're a, a full-blown adult, it's kind of... Like, Interesting. I'll have to give this a shot. Watch it again. It kind of doesn't... Maybe I was just in a bad mood. Um, but anyway, yeah, it, it is It is one of those things where it's like the the red pill argument or about how all these people who deserve their comeuppance... <laughs> I think maybe actually the Al Franken thing will will make this go away because it's like, yeah, okay, we now we acknowledge that people have all political persuasions. Well, it's not going to go away. It's yeah. it, it's a wave that's that's changing the norms of what men think that they can get away with. I mean, and it's like women are ascendant in society and uh, men can no longer get away with exerting soft power or, or physical power over them um, in normal interactions. I mean, like men can... I think that one thing that I, I was not really aware of is the, the way in which... It's just like there's a very effortless intimidation that men hold over women in as a default. Yeah. And um and accounting for that um and you know like things like uh like since a lot of this stuff started happening this is a couple years old at this point but um you know like if if like there's a girl sitting on the train I'll like try to not sit super close to her just cuz like I I'm trying to be aware of like the way in which that can seem threatening even though you know the, the defense the defensive response is like, well, what do you want me to do? Not, you know, yeah. They should know that I don't mean that. But like a lot of this stuff is not known to us. Like we yeah. don't know, we we don't know this and we're coming to know it. And um, the norms are changing and the way that these guys used to think they could get away with like Al Franken grabbing someone's ass, um, it's it's not gonna go away. It's gonna just permanently alter. Yeah. Um, well, I, it is one of those things that, that also, I mean, the subway example is a great example because even me on the subway, sometimes I've been in situations where I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Whether it's like a homeless person that's like, act, like acting weird or something like that. No, I understand that women feel that way, not only just around like homeless people, but around like regular people, like regular guys who are clearly just like sexual deviants or, we- or weirdos and just have this need to exert some kind of like perverted power over, over other people. Um, so I, I guess the argument is that like, hey, if you don't sexually harass anybody or you don't you don't use your uh, masculinity to to kind of persuade somebody, you'll be you'll be fine. I don't know what I don't know if this is really an, even an argument. It's just like, hey, mate, don't be so gross and don't be <laughs> such a disgusting piece of garbage. Yeah, well, and, and you yeah. gotta and you gotta comport yourself in a way that's a little bit more. You hold yourself to a higher standard than you know you're not gonna immediately rape someone. You yeah, know? you gotta account for the fact that they don't know what your intentions are. It's the same argument, actually. Now that I think about it, I don't know. This is probably a pretty problematic thing to say, but it's the same argument that um you know uh you hear conservatives all the time saying with minorities getting pulled over by the police yeah it's like you, i don't care what the, i don't care if you're right or wrong you got to show respect to the you know you have to go above and beyond to prove that you're you know that's that's sort of what the argument is right and that's that's the way that i think men probably should comport themselves around women because there is a natural physical power imbalance men women do not know what actually, even if they do know what the intentions of men are, they're always disgusting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in most most cases. So you know, it's 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 due. It's due. Yeah, and it, it's just to be self. To, I mean, self awareness and and be really. It is something to me that I always am 
I, I do. I am also hyper aware of that too. But it also also results in a conundrum for me on the subway where I don't know to give up my seat or not because I'm like I don't know if I'm being a good feminist right now. But <laughs> I always give my seat up to older women, uh, but I never give my seat up to like up here because I'm like, well, I give my. I just don't even sit down. That's how that's uh, a good that's masculine a good I am. Oh, look at Mr. Stands all the time over here. I got Mr. <laughs> Stands. All right, let's. Uh, Let's let's call it uh, okay. So I hope we we've just uh, over the course of the last uh, episode, we have taken you through a tour of your Thanksgiving day, um, and uh, I hope that it. Hold on, the, yeah. the, the breaking news too is there's got a Times alert. The Trump administration is ending a program that allowed some 59,000 Haitians to live legally in the United States after the 2010 earthquake. God damn it. <laughs> that's just, he just, that's not even like, you know how there's like a, you know, you want to talk like, about a country that we fucked over, by the way. Oh, we yeah. invaded them in the 90s. Oh, yeah. And, and installed and just a Clinton, horrible, yeah. It, like, Bill Clinton invaded them in the 90s, and then he invaded them again with the Clinton Foundation after the hurricane, brought like new diseases there that weren't there before, didn't help anyone, contributed to a lot of venal misappropriation of funds, and uh, now we're saying they have to go back. And you, hey, you got to go back to that island we made terrible. And also, by the way, it's like, what is there? Is there an ISIS chapter, like Haitian chapter? There's no way. Like, why would you be returning it? No, this is, these are the types of things, actually, we we were talking. We opened this episode talking about things that what Trump has actually done. These are the kinds of things he does. He doesn't have the patience or the intellect to understand the legislative process or, or work it at all. And so he ends up going for really easy culture grab things like pardoning Arpaio or kicking out a bunch of Haitians. Who uh, hate and who dislikes Haitian? Every Haitian person I've ever met yeah, is the awesome. best. <laughs> like they're so cool. They're always so nice. Like they're 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 great. It's uh, it's yeah. it's unconscionable. Yeah, and uh, and and they and they if any popular. Uh, deserves the um, compensation from the U.S. government. It, it, Haitians are up there. I think. I think though. Here's the the closing. Uh, and for the arguments with your family, I think if, if it, you're at the end of the argument, you're still not going anywhere. Just be like, oh, you're just a petty bitch. <laughs> just, <laughs> just say that. Hey, if there's it, no retort to that, <laughs> if you your trump card in this is just just come out as something they don't think you are. <laughs> if, if you're already gay, say that you're not gay. And just throw them off. <laughs> No, just, 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 just really, just be like, you're just a petty bitch. Just like, just like <laughs> under your breath, just like kind of breathy. Just say, all right. So we've taken you through Thanksgiving Day, uh, Brian. Do you feel? Are you feeling full now that we're at the end of Thanksgiving? Um, I'm ready feeling to. Like a, I'm feeling like a petty bitch, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm also full. I had on my fish hair. You are a petty bitch. Now we're, me and Brian are gonna cut this and play some footsie. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, have a good holiday, and we'll see. You. We're gonna we're gonna take a week off, but we'll see you in two weeks. Yeah, on and happy Thanksgiving. Take a knee, everybody. Take a knee. <laughs>